Sermon for Palm Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Christian faith relies on two words, promise and trust. The promise is God's promise to us. The trust is, or should be, the trust we place in God and his promise. What has this to do with Palm Sunday? Absolutely everything. We've heard again the familiar story of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, surrounded by cheering crowds who spread before him their clothes and the foliage they've cut from the trees along the way. Matthew doesn't leave us guessing. The promise is being fulfilled. God's promise to his people through the prophet Zechariah. That included an unmistakable sign. When the king comes to Zion, it'll be in a most unexpected way. You'd expect a king to ride in on a war horse or to be carried in a splendid carriage. The people have long looked forward to his arrival in the holy city, his approach to the sacred temple where God's presence is to be found. Surely it'll be a magnificent event with all the trappings of majesty and power. But they've been warned to look out for something unexpected. The prophet has told them that their king's coming is to be clothed with humility. And the mode of transport is to be, of all things, a very ordinary donkey. But we mustn't be misled by the unexpected appearances. The prophet's message is clear. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he humble and riding on a donkey. The hymn writer got it exactly right. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. Jesus will no doubt already be known to many in the crowds. He's been going around sharing the good news of God's love for them and healing their sick. He's been creating a growing expectation that God himself is among them. And great events are about to happen. Meanwhile, the authorities are increasingly anxious about where all this is pointing. The religious leaders aren't slow to see that the prophet's predictions are coming true before their very eyes. And they don't like it. It's an event that provokes division and strife enthusiasm, but also opposition. For the common people, deeply conscious of being downtrodden and with little to be grateful for in their lives, here at last is the sign that God is honouring the promise. God has come among them to save them from their enemies. And yet for their leaders who've exploited the present situation for their own ends, this extraordinary arrival is not what they're looking for. For them, it's a deadly threat to their position and power. These are two reactions of most of those who see the strange procession making its way up to the, towards the temple. At one level, it's a scruffy little affair, hardly worth a second glance. Yet everyone present knows it's far more than that. It's either full of promise or full of foreboding and danger. 
If these are the feelings of the spectators, can we dare to imagine what Jesus' own feelings must be? For him it marks a deliberate change of approach to the mission God has entrusted to him. So far he's been confronting and opposing all that is evil in the world and challenging the people who follow that way. Now the time has come for the decisive showdown. Luke tells us that already as a 12-year-old Jesus had asked his anxious parents, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Now Jesus comes to claim back for his father the ownership of this house of prayer so ruthlessly seized by robbers, as the prophet Jeremiah had predicted. I believe that throughout Jesus' ministry he hoped that not only the common people but also their leaders would be won over by his message of love and forgiveness and have a change of heart. He had no illusions but he still prayed to the end and facing the near certainty of death that there could be another way of bringing us back to God. Jesus rides up the hill on the back of a humble beast of burden. The burden he carries is the one we and all humanity have put on his shoulders to bear. The general mood for the moment is one of rejoicing and hope, but for him it is of dread and foreboding. As Jesus dismounts and goes into the temple to repossess it for God, he knows that this is the last throw of the dice. There'll be no going back from here. He's throwing down a gauntlet, and this time it will be picked up, and the duel cannot be escaped. We all know how the events of the week will unfold. Jesus will surrender his earthly life, a life taken up for us, and now to be laid down for us. And yet he continues to have faith that he is fulfilling God's loving plan, and that the God of the will of God must prevail. Although we are able to look beyond the tragedy of Good Friday to the victory of Easter Day, we also know that that doesn't mean that life will now be free from trouble and danger. Jesus never promises his followers anything like that. On the contrary, he always warns us that to follow him means taking up our cross. So we know that joining the happy crowd shouting Hosanna to the Son of David Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord is only the beginning of the challenging journey on which Jesus asks us to be his companions. It's not for nothing that the palms we use at this season are in the form of a cross. The worst part of the journey lies ahead. We can't suppose it will be better for us. We are now going through what for most of our contemporaries is the most frightening time of their lives. And we share this with people across the world who are suffering the same or worse at this time. We trust that if everyone plays their part, things will eventually begin to get better. But in the immediate future, that won't be so. When Jesus sends two disciples to fetch the donkey to carry him into Jerusalem, does a voice say to him, you really don't have to do this, just walk away. 
If so, Jesus dismisses the temptation as he has others throughout his life. And because God gives him the strength to do so, we know that he longs to give us the strength to face similar temptations and to carry us through situations we'd give almost anything to avoid. The one thing we know is that whilst we can take all sensible precautions, we simply can't walk away from the present threat. Today we remember that Jesus calls us to be his companions on his Palm Sunday journey and beyond. He tells us in the very last words of this Gospel of Matthew not to fear. Remember, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. I began by saying that our faith rests upon two words, promise and trust. Jesus renews God's promise to us every day to be with us always, in all circumstances, including and especially those when we are called to suffering and loss. If that's God's promise, trust comes when we claim that promise for ourselves. St John brings promise and trust together when he writes that Jesus, on his last evening together with his disciples, said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Lord Jesus, we believe that in you the Father's promise of love and reconciliation is being fulfilled. Meet us as we face darkness and fear. Give us your peace and your courage that we may always trust in you. And so with all God's children come to share in your victory. Amen. <laughs>